All the good movies have been made. What did you do with my script? Oh, I don't know. It's over there someplace. I wrote a hell of a picture for you. For you as you really are. Uh, a tired old man. Oh, no. This was last week when you still had some guts. Days to convince Marshall. A work of art. You should have heard him when he first, when he first read it. I don't know. I don't understand it. You sit still with three lousy, terrible, lousy scripts we did, and finally, you know, I come up with something good, and you quit. I haven't even read the damn thing. Well, why not? God, Jesus, it's hot in here. Sorry, I... I guess I feel the cold a little more than I did. Open the window. No, it's all right. It's all right. What's it all about? What? Everybody's dead. I feel like a dinosaur. Oh, I know how people think of me these days. Old-fashioned, outmoded. Well, not after this picture they wouldn't. You can't change your whole lifetime with one picture. What have you got if you quit? Oh, Sammy, what's the use? Mr. Boogeyman, King of Blood, they used to call me. Marx Brothers make you laugh, Garbo makes you weep, Warlock makes you scream. <laughs> and once I thought I'd be an actor, oh, it's not that the films are bad. I've got bad. I couldn't even play a straight part decently anymore. I've been doing the other thing too long. Of course you could. And even that isn't the point. You know what they call my films today? Camp. I can't. Wait a minute, I want to show you something. My kind of horror isn't horror anymore. There they are. Look at that. No one's afraid of a painted monster. The only thing you've said that's right is about this. Which is why you ought to do my movie. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. You don't play some phony Victorian heavy... You play a human being, and, and you could play the hell out of it. If I were your age, I'd play it myself. I'm gonna go offer it to Vincent Price. Welcome to the Flickers from the Cave podcast. This is episode 209. My name is Marty. I am Mike. Hello, I'm Julie. And uh, this was my choice this time, and I picked two movies that 
I don't know. I hope they don't seem distasteful to the listener because they are about uh, gun violence. And in America, we are currently going through quite a fucking spate of it yet again of unbelievably um, gruesome gun-related death. But Senseless. But I do believe these movies are sober, sort of um, cautionary almost tales of that sort of um, terrible tragedy and um, really really say some interesting stuff about it, um, both from like the perpetrator side and the law enforcement side. Uh, each movie sort of takes one angle. Um, and it's it, these are very interesting movies. And um, we're going to start off with uh, Targets from 1968 from director Peter Bogdanovich. It was his first feature film. Mm-hmm. Um, and wow. Um, wow. This was I a good one. fucking loved it. Yeah. I mean, this oh. shit was... Go. Sorry. Oh, I mean, I thought this was like independent cinema meets B-hard genius. Yes. This yeah. is a great movie. Really powerful. Really. And, and, like, and Mike, you noticed, and I did too, like, you, you know, they start seeing the names and stuff, but like Laszlo Kovacs is the cinematographer. Yeah. 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 This, was like a, this was like a, a pact with people who were about to explode onto the... You know, the whole new wave of American cinema from the late 60s, you know, the whole, you know, Easy Rider on, all that stuff. So many people associated with this were like going to be deeply entrenched in all of that and changing movie history forever. Well, even um, I noticed the name Frank Marshall pop up in the credits not as like assistant to the director. And I was like, it can't be the same Frank Marshall. It is I bet it Frank is. Marshall. I, I bet I thought it that is. was really cool. And, Polly Platt, who's like the production designer and co-wrote the story. Well, she was Bogdanovich's wife. And went on to have a fucking astounding career. Yeah. Um, so just like, at just the time. A lot of people. Did yeah. you see In the Drive-In? Was that Jack Nicholson? In the movie, yeah. 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 No, that's a movie called The Terror. That's a real movie. Okay. And, um, he was and, so young. Yeah, he's very young. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he plays a union no, he's a French soldier. He's a yeah. It's the Napoleonic Wars. Yeah, and he's a French soldier going to that castle. I didn't and, realize he was that handsome. Oh no, he was. Oh, he was. Yeah. A Have you never seen like Easy there. Rider and the stuff like that? Like or Five you know. Easy Pieces. I mean, I guess I've seen Easy Rider. Also shot it. by Laszlo Kovacs. Okay. Um. So um, yeah, this movie um. It's apparently was inspired by the the Charles Whitman case, the Texas Tower shooter. Yes, the one Can that I, I'm familiar with because Kurt Russell played him in the TV movie, The Deadly ta- Tower. The Deadly Tower that scarred me as a as a young, kid. That was young person, super powerful. It was. Let me give you a little sort of uh, cliff notey kind of. Hopefully, not to digress too much, but a little spiel that I found out about Targets. Okay, Bogdanovich was a theater director part-time actor, theater director, freelance writer guy Mm -hmm. in the early 60s in the New York theater scene. He began to write articles for Esquire and was fairly prolific through the 60s writing stuff for Esquire. Okay. Decided to go to L.A. to try to get into pictures. Okay. Wound up running into, with a friend, running into somebody, with a friend that knew Corman, ran into Corman, he introduced himself, and Corman said, Hey, you write for Esquire. I'm a big fan. I enjoy your writing. And he said, uh, well, thanks. You know, and he said, well, hey, you want a job? 
<laughs> I need like a, I need like it wasn't a production assistant. It was like maybe like an executive assistant or like some more of right. somewhat administrative position. And uh, which, you know, God knows what that meant with Corman. It probably is the best way in the world to get to know every bit about movie making that. Well, apparently that worked because he worked for him for 22 weeks. He got a phone call and Corman said, so, do you, John, do you want, to, uh, you want to make your own movie? Or Peter, I'm sorry, Peter, you want to make your own movie? Mm-hmm. He said, well, yeah. He said, okay, here's the deal. I've got Boris Karloff is into me for two days work. I can get you Karloff for two days. It'll give you a chance to get about 20 minutes worth of footage. I'm going to give you 20 minutes of the terror. You can cut that in and mix it up here and there. And then you come up with an idea for a movie to fill in the blanks for the other 20 to 30 minutes. Okay. And and then we'll have a movie. So he and Polly Platt sat down and hammered out a script like overnight. Right. And he was kind of happy with it, but, you know, nervous. So he went to see this guy, Sammy, that he knew, yeah. who read through it and said, it's good, but let's work on it. So another night, he and Samuel Fuller rewrote. No. Yes, they rewrote it. I didn't even he, see his name in it, I didn't think. Well, there's a reason, because okay. he said they rewrote it in one night, and he was like, Sammy, this stuff is great. And he that's why his name is Sammy in the picture, actually, in... That's okay. why that's why Bogdanovich's character's name is Sammy. Okay. Rewrote him one night and he was like, You gotta let me give you credit. This is you're giving me too much. And he's going, Ah, if it that'll get complicated with the writers guild and I'll get the credit. You won't get any credit. Just just leave it as it is. Amazing. So he comes back and he gets Karloff by for free for two days, basically. Yeah. And they cast some actors and shoot like in a little studio, he said that was in like a warehouse or something. Mm-hmm. And they had a few sets and that he and Polly Platt would like recolor the sets and move the walls a little bit to make <laughs> the places look like different places. Oh, wow. And it was, it was amazing. Very effective. Apparently from what I read, Karloff was so impressed with the script that he worked an extra three days for free. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Because he was, it was a super meta thing because yeah. Karloff's, character is an aging horror star who feels sort of irrelevant and they're showing footage of him from a movie it's wild and they wrote his character to be that and then to have like this very redemptive arc by the end of the movie i i was moved at the end when bogdanovich comes up to karloff at the end and is talking to him yes and he goes like he basically says like where am i or sorry, who are you or what happened? He's like, it's like he's left his body or something. And mm-hmm. he, you know, has this moment and it was powerful to me. I thought Karloff was amazing. He was incredible. Apparently that monologue that he mm-hmm. did. Yeah. He did it in one take and wow. the entire crew stood up and applauded him. Wow. I just thought it was brilliant. <laughs> well, Bogdanovich said he was just this perfect british gentleman Mm -hmm. he came to the set he knew his lines he and he was just but like they would cut and he was just like this he was charming and telling stories to everybody around him and everybody hanging on his every word Mm -hmm. and he said that there's the scene where they wake up and he's in bed with orlock yes and so he was supposed to wake up in the script. It said he woke up and looked and saw Orlock and started laughing hysterically. Right. And he said he did like 10 takes and it's just hard to laugh on command. Right. And he said, Karloff told him, said, 
My boy, just because you wrote it in the script doesn't mean you have to do it. <laughs> so he just woke up and did the sort of jump scare right. thing. And then when Karloff got up out of bed, he improved the looking in the mirror and jump scare when he mm-hmm. looked at himself. He based that on what is awesome stuff. I was just blown away by everything. You know, I wasn't surprised that Bogdanovich acted in this because he likes to act and he he usually shows up on screen in everything he does. And honestly, the thing where I first really became familiar with him as a person was seeing him on The Sopranos where he had a recurring mm-hmm. character as the love interest for Dr. Melfi. Mm-hmm. Um, or actually, not, not love interest, but um, uh, 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 her therapist who right. had, she had had a relationship with, I think, at some point. Uh, because I thought he was great on The Sopranos. He uh, really was. But I, it was interesting. I looked at his filmography. He had a run of just amazing films. And then he just started directing just stuff. It was yeah. like no longer like Paper Moon and What's Up Doc and different sort of like things that were like instant classics. Well, and inspired things that were driven by like a passion to create something. Right. It, 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 it became just sort like, of became like, ah, I'll go do this job. Honey, I blew up the kids four. Okay, I'm in. I mean, it's it's not that good, like the <laughs> stuff he did later. It's, it was pretty interesting to me. Like, I and I wouldn't I say it necessarily he fell, but I think it was like he established himself, did his thing, and then just sort of wrote it out, you know, and, and probably focused more on acting than really directing. Probably, I would think. But actually, the, he said that the role of Sammy mm-hmm. was actually written for an actor that he knew and liked that was he was friendly with, and that guy couldn't get away from a theater gig mm-hmm. to come to L.A. to shoot it, so he sort of just stepped in. Yeah, and he, he's good. I actually was very impressed with his performance. I thought everybody in the movie was, I don't know, I, just, I, I was impressed with the whole movie. Just Bob, Bobby, the lead guy, was really great. Well, that was, I'm sorry, I kind of did favorite? digress. Yeah. Dude. He was really good. It was really chilling. So, um, his name's like um, something O'Kelly, Tim O'Kelly. And did you know? Because I found this out in the original pilot for Hawaii Five O, he played Dano. Uh uh-uh. uh Yeah, and then he was replaced for the actual series. Wow, I did not know that. He, just in the pilot movie, he was Dano. I love Hawaii Five O. I don't know when the last time you saw an episode of like the original Hawaii Five O. Mm-hmm. I mean, I haven't watched one all the way through since I was a child, but I've seen it, bits. It is so freaking good. Jack Lord is over the top in like mm-hmm. a really Shatner-esque. Yeah. I was going to exactly say that kind of cool way, but like the time that it happened and all the guest stars that came on. Mm-hmm. Like, there's one Christopher Walken is in one. Wow. So it is full of like all these people and you're going, that is Brenda Vaccaro or that mm-hmm. is Christopher Walken. That is, you know, it's just Brenda, Car- Brenda Vaccaro from Death Weekend or whatever from that Death movie Week- was. Death Weekend with Don Stroud. Mm. God, that movie was so good. So fucking it was good. good. It was intense. So as soon as we see um, Bobby, who is the murderer, killer, shooter, sniper in this movie, the first, it's like just shows his face and I was like, Immediately in my brain, I was like, that is the proto Matt Damon right there. Because he yes. looked almost exactly to me like Matt, like young Matt Damon. Shockingly so. Okay, I'm glad I wasn't the only one who thought no, that. No, it, like it was like goodwill shooting. <laughs> no. I love the relationship between um, Karloff and his secretary. Yes. That was a great little 
there was bit give and of take. extra stuff that like it's so much more than it told you who the character was it, it established him it showed him in, in all sorts of nuancey ways character detail so much yeah like and really but like that's what i'm saying is like not a, a lot of movies from this era and this budget level that was not even a thought it's such a for it's such a uh, foreshadowing of what the early really good bogdanovich stuff was going to be mm-hmm. yeah. nuanced and like character driven mm-hmm. and stuff and it's just I, I hate to keep like harkening back to this thing but like the other thing that in that thing i i watched with bogdanovich about mm-hmm. this movie was that the studios were reticent to release it because it was violent yes very and shocking still uh, to me very so something completely shocking blew me away i looked it up because that I was like, man, like MLK was the same year, April. Then you had Kennedy in mm-hmm. June, and then this came out in August. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would have been like releasing a movie about school shooting right now. You know, right, it would, right. It would seem like distasteful. Well, he said there was two schools of thought. There were some people saying, "There's no way we could release this right now," and other people were saying, "Let's get it out there." Sure. Well, this is like a thing. Well, I but do what think happened, it's, it's a good thing. I think it does spur some conversation because I think. Well, I think that's something that's that's was it effective and smart about both of these movies. Mm-hmm. Both, like I think you said, cautionary tale. I think so because neither one of these people are, are about criminals. They're about people that snap. And, and it's amazing I, that they're both. They are both for all the budget that Two Minute Warning has. Both are exploitation movies, and they're using this as a device. That's it's like not a gimm. I hate to say gimmick, but that's sort of the. See, I would put I would put Two Minute Warning, our second film, more in the league of like airport airplane or excuse me air airport. I would one yeah, of those giant disaster budget movie. disaster yeah, I, movies. That's exactly what I was going to say. Is that but again, a disaster movie to me? Which it's, I guess but is it's a still, type of exploitation. But it is 100% but, exploitation. But, but I always think of exploitation as including a lot of gore and a lot of tits. But and, both and, of these movies take like a conceit that is an exploitation sort of idea. Mm-hmm. Because he clearly said that the Whitman shootings, he was thinking about what is horror now. Mm-hmm. And in the wake, or in the, obviously before the shootings that we were talking about horror then was the Charles Whitman thing. Right. So he and Polly Platt said, let's introduce today's horror. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think they did an amazing job of reconciling that with Karloff's legacy and stuff. But well, both and- movies for all the exploitative qualities they had were amazingly like adept at pointing out the, just how ugly and, awful it was it no 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 part of it seemed like that fun escapist uh rambo kind of violence they're not the shooters in both movies are not misunderstood sympathetic characters they're monsters and um and they're depicted as such they do Mm -hmm. try and targets to at least let us know the person exactly we're in two minute warning they don't and that's something really interesting is that that this movie has a lot of like emotional depth it sets up the character Mm -hmm. his family you see it 
So one thing that I wanted to talk about is like the set decorating, like within his home. Yes. So <laughs> bizarre. That sofa like, that they had was oh the God. weirdest sofa I've ever seen in my so life. Weird. And then they had like a purple bedroom mm -hmm. with purple molding and doors, and the doors didn't have doorknobs, and it was so claustrophobic and just weird. It's very tight and small. There was like a blue room just like that too, and. Oh, something that I noticed. And the kitchen was like had green appliances. And everything like. was like a, not, not even pastel. Everything was like a, a matte. Yeah. Like, it just was so bizarre. Shitty but it color. also looked it, it looked. I don't, and I think this was the intent. It looked not like a set, but like a model home. Like mm -hmm. where when you're looking at homes and you go to a neighborhood and you see the one that's set up, staged. Right. It did not look real. But I think that's what they were shooting for. I mean, that's a stylist. Well, yeah, it was, it was and, weird. And that whole it's running like background just background noise of oh. television, radio, mm -hmm. constant. Not an accident. Did, no, not an accident. No. Did you notice on one of the paintings, they tracked by it twice the family there was a family but there were four yes so i was wondering boys, where the other kid was, like, was. Yeah, the other one, like the sniper totally killed him probably oh like, and that's what they were that's what they were eating yeah <laughs> oh. um, um so you do meet his family you meet his mom his dad and he and his dad are sportsmen which means they like to shoot guns um but when you first when we first meet our killer bobby he is buying a gun a rifle with a with a scope mm -hmm. and you think oh man he's buying the gun he's going to use because you i knew this what this movie was about and then he goes and opens the trunk of his mustang and he has got like 50 guns in there yeah and it was like oh shit i mean he was just spilling guns and like bullets all yes. over the place the entire movie he was kind of sloppy <laughs> about it he was a fuck up he was a complete yes. fuck up. Thank God he was a fuck up, well, or a lot more people would have died. He was a great shot, but he was just a fuck up. He, he was also a good was lucky to be in like 1968 because that you know it took so long for people to call the cops, mm -hmm. like multiple times. You know, like where like people are like, oh, we should probably call the cops, and it's like, yeah, no shit, you <laughs> should have called the cops ten minutes ago when somebody alerted mm -hmm. you about this situation. Well, he or, was doing good of getting from spot to spot. And there were cool spots, like he was on yes. like, the oil tankers, I, with the great it, shadows, yes. like Hitchcock-like mm. shots going on. Well, it just, that's, and just that's silent. Laszlo, no. That's Laszlo Kovacs. But, but oh, no cool. conversation about it. Like, he didn't say to anybody, well, I think I'm going to, I saw those oil uh, tanks. I think I'm going to go climb up on those things and shoot somebody from off of that. It was like he's driving the car and you see him looking up there at it and you're like, oh, he's thinking. And then he just goes up there, lays all his weapons out, has his ham and cheese sandwich and mm -hmm. Dr. Pepper and then just starts that, murdering people. That, well, you know, the, and I don't want to talk too much about the second movie until we get into it, but like, there was a, that was another weird kind of confluence is that both snipers brought snacks. They did. Well, yeah, you would. I mean, you're well, hanging out for a while, yeah. waiting, you know? it's just thought that was very strange. It was. So so we meet our killer. Ladies and gentlemen, please meet your killer, um, Bobby. And we, he, the first people he kills are his um, wife and his mother. When he shot his wife, that was a 
awesome shot. That whole thing leading up to that where the room was pitch black and he's smoking and the glow of the cigarette was ostensibly sort of lighting his face. Mm -hmm. That shit, because it goes like dark in the scene before it and then it cuts to his bedroom and it gets bright again when he's like lighting his cigarette and it goes dark and then she comes in. I was just blown away by it. It was beautiful. And there was another tracking shot within that house that I noticed Mm -hmm. that like where it was looking at the carpet and moving around. Yeah, and they walked all the way, like, from, like, the living room into the yes. bedroom. She changed, and then they went Oh, that. Okay. I, I rewound it because I was like, man, that was a long shot. Really awesome. But, like, that it's shot amazing. after he's murdered them, mm-hmm. where the camera's looking at the carpet, and it's moving around, and it moves past yeah. her slipper and around. Fucking it was wonderful. Chilling. I mean, it, again, and, Just but, and, for the, and for the amount of resources they had to pull that stuff off i think it's makes it all the more impressive i was there wasn't a aspect of filmmaking that i wasn't blown away by with this movie well it started and i do this and i don't know if it's a I, i don't know if it's good or bad i always kind of try to attribute it as a a positive that like when i'm watching something i think about the circumstances that it was made in and like how much how much infrastructure was available to these filmmakers to create mm-hmm. this stuff. So sort of, and I hate to use the term grading on a curve, but that effectively is what it is. Mm-hmm. And I started off this movie after listening to the thing about the circumstances that it was made in. Mm-hmm. I thought about it going in like that, like, okay, well, you know, they didn't have a lot of money and this and that. And then that quickly sort of went by the wayside after just, the the strength of the writing and the performances and stuff was enough to kind of get you so involved that you sort of forget to sit there and think about that anymore. Right. And but then yeah, so they pull out some of the visual stuff like that where it's these like tracking shots and like super long shots. Just and it's just really awesome. And that yeah. that actor, man, he's just cold and dead. Mm-hmm. And you could see him faking his way through it, like with his wife. And he tries to talk to her about mm-hmm. what he's feeling. He's like, you know, sometimes I think things. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, I'm really sleepy. Or I got to go to work or whatever. And just nobody was making time for him. And so he just murdered them. And it was yeah, wild. Unbelievably impressive. I mean, it is not. And again, I think that not not spoilery, but. I did feel that the there was some redemptive quality to the climax of it. For but, the murderer? Well, I mean, just Because for, I thought that was an amazing ending. That ending I did too. was I did too. one of the greatest endings I've ever seen. Because it was the most <sighs> unexpected thing to have happen. It got so me, man. It really got me. Good. Like, it was so good. So I do want to talk about one more thing. And that is, there's the moment in the movie before he begins his murder spree where he's typing his note and the camera is so fucking tight on the typewriter, the the paper and the typewriter. And it's just D I E die. And I was like, what is that? And you don't know what that is. And that's when that camera does that long tracking shot Uh through the house and ends on the note. And he's left the note. I've it's 1040. Or 1140, and I've just killed my wife and my mother, and a lot more people are going to die. And then there's that song going on that's like, I can kill you in my mind, and it was so intense. I was 
I was almost shaking watching it because I was just terrified. Like, what is going to happen? It was truly an accomplishment. I mean, there's amazing oh, tension in this movie. And yeah. it just, like, mm. it it's so well-paced. Like, the plot, it just flows so well. Mm-hmm. When the, and, you know, this is, I guess, a spoiler, but I'm going to say it. The When Karloff's secretary gets shot, I screamed oh. out, no. I did, too. And then, okay, so. I one, did, too. One like, I cared about it. Is they go from the. He goes from the oil mm-hmm. um, tanks, and then he's driving, and a cop just happens to see him like, right. driving poorly, so he starts chasing him. Right. And then he well, hides he out. Blows in through the a red light, yeah. Drive-in. Yeah. And so he's hiding out in this drive-in. Just randomly. Where that's where he meets, like, everybody else and starts, like, shooting there. Yeah. But there's, like, he shoots the dad, and the little kid is crying in the car. And then he shoots the little kid. And then, oh. yeah, it was so sad. Cause, and thankfully, and I guess tastefully, they don't show that. Mm-hmm. But you hear it and you know what happened. It was terrible. It was it was one of those things that might have been like um, easier to take if it had been like a cheesy little blood effect or something. Because it was so effective as it was. It that was. Sort of, so you know how your mind creates. Yes. The worst than they could create. It but. was horrible. Yeah. yeah. It was, but amazing. This, still, I This mean. movie was so heavy. And to be honest, like, it's not what I want to, like, watch right now in the no. world. Like, in the, the country. And I'm very upset right now, and as, as a lot of us are. But um, this was really good. Really good. It was well done. Yeah, if this I had think been it might a cheap be... exploitation thing that was just, just supposed to be thrilling and entertaining, I would have probably found it incredibly distasteful but i didn't think that about this this was really art i mean i would yeah. 10 out of 10 recommend this to everyone <laughs> yeah it's i think that's i think this actually might be something that people need to watch right now i agree in a way you know what i mean just to sort of oof i, I because I it's if you because like, like cinema, to watch a movie watch cinema to, yeah. to watch a movie you have to make a conscious choice to sit and watch this movie right and accept what it's doing to you or telling you. Mm-hmm. It's easy to flip away from a news story that makes you uncomfortable. This is something that you would have to I make gotcha. an effort to sit down and watch. And I think it makes so many valid points about because it's so the, maybe the people scenes, that are so pro gun, we should have more guns and and more background checks. You could background check that fucking kid all day long, and you're mm-hmm. not going to find out that he's just about to go on a murder spree. Right. It isn't about that. It's about the easy access to very powerful weapons. And, and these think, are hunting weapons. We're not even talking about AR-15s and shit that are right. so easily available now. We're talking well, and about the, 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 the scenes un- where he the is... defensible weapons. He's, like, pointing a fucking gun at his dad. Yes. You know, now, like, oh. there are definitely, like, very, oh. like, alarming moments that, like, people in his family and who are close to him should know. Well, yeah, red red flag and, warnings and um it's inter- this i found interesting so when he and his dad are out doing target shooting the little um the gallery rifle gallery gun that he's got i have that exact gun my dad had that so when my dad passed away i got that gun so it's mm-hmm. actually in my bedroom and it's a great little little rifle and it's made for target shooting yeah it's a fun little plinking it's, it's a thing. 20 22 caliber so yeah but that was it's, wild to see it because I had, I haven't looked at it since I got it from my dad years ago when he passed away. But I think what's wild is the scenes where he's going to the hardware store, to the gun shop, and loading up on supplies. Oh yeah, yeah. 
you're like no. even even then it has the feeling of look how accessible this is well it really puts you in the shoes of him too and it makes you're like t- weirdly torn because you don't want him to kill people but you're also the movie makes you sort of hope he's allowed to pursue his you know scheme because hmm. in that moment where he's trying to buy the ammo and they're like checking in the back and you're like are they gonna let him buy these guns and you don't know what's happening and you're sort of forced to care in that moment and it was just it was very was disturbing like, to me holy shit he just wrote a check and like just got it and walked out of there with it like that's wild right well he knew everybody because he and his dad just mm-hmm. buy guns all over town how's your dad doing bob very much like a moment in time kind of thing, but it's also like so prescient still. I, I wonder why they didn't have him kill his dad. The patriarchy. But I mean, really, like. Because I don't think he had the courage to. Maybe that's it. Mm-hmm. That's a good, that's an interesting observation. That's a, that's, yeah. That is really good. Because I expected it. I expected the dad to come home and see what he's done. And he's like, I told you, never point a gun at somebody. And. Kapow, you know. He also, like, he put his wife's body back in the bed and then Mm -hmm. his mom's body back in the bed and then, like, the grocery Mm -hmm. store. Like, around the corner. Somewhere hidden, you know, like, but he had, like, respect for these bodies. He was, like, using all those paper towels to clean up the grocery guy's blood off the wall. That weird ass set house. Yeah, it's wild. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I. I, So the movie had a lot to say about America. I li- I liked all the background noise, the like constant, just sort of barrage of background noise and this sort of artificial reality. I, it just the amazing views of California, you know, R- Reseda, um, in that era, and mm-hmm. the the roads and the cars and the oil tanks and like to me, this was all America. You know what I mean? Like yeah. big tanks of oil, shitloads of cars, convertibles, weapons, movies. You know Hollywood. Yeah, it just really was violence. A yeah, thing. and then the ending was so bleak. Like once the oh. thing happened, but then you just see the daylight of the drive-in from an overhead, mm-hmm. and it just pans out, and you just the killer's car is the only car only on the drive-in, left. and you're just was like, holy! Such shit. a powerful image. It was yeah. so powerful well, and so simple and intense. What about the when the when it opened and it just says targets in that huge font i was like that is they're doing that now like that has mm-hmm. now come full circle and that's the way credit titles are done now yeah and i was just like this feels so fresh and current and mm-hmm. this movie is truly original and ahead of its time wow i was blown away oh 100 percent. and yeah the it was like kind of i don't want to like scream cutting edge but it was certainly it's what I think what got me is how crazily self-assured everything was in the direction, especially for a first feature. Yeah, I mean, just like just come out of the gates making something that's really maybe he got didn't some know teeth. to be afraid or to be to, to hold back. Maybe he's I think just that's like, I don't know. Maybe this will work. I'm just going to do what I think would work. Night of the Living Dead. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like I don't know what we're doing. Let's just say, hey, let's try this. And it works great. So successful. Yeah. It's, a, it's an awesome movie. Well, since we've uh, clearly found something to like about that first movie, let's move on to movie number two, which I also found very entertaining. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but 
in many ways was much, much, much more intense at times, for me at least. Um, let's look at Two Minute Warning from 1976. Here's uh, the rundown on that shooting up at sunset this morning, Captain. Oh, good game. Looks bad for LA, Yeah. I was a sniper, working out of the 12th floor of a hotel just off the freeway. A single shot from a high-powered rifle right through the heart. Married, two kids. Who the hell wanted to kill an assistant professor of botany? Who knows? Some nut, I guess. Jeff Brewer kicks off for Baltimore and taking it as... Oh, shit, come on. Bobbles the ball, picks it up. Some nut looking for target practice, probably. About the only thing we know is that he was white. That's a big help. White, black, that doesn't take you any place. The thing with these freaks is you... You got no M.O. Well, at least it didn't happen in our division. So did y'all know that Andy Sedaris could act? Man, I was so excited, and he got... So much screen time. He was great. He was great, but he was on screen as much as Charlton He Heston. was maybe more than Heston. That shit but, was... Every bit of this movie was intense. Every bit... I was like, those fucking Safety, Safety brothers that did Uncut Gems <laughs> yes. must have watched this fucking movie. Because this movie was like chewing glass at times. It was so in-fucking-tense. Well, let me just say, if he, if it was like chewing glass... Charlton Heston was the man for the job because I've never seen an actor show more teeth. More crooked, unruly teeth in my life. <laughs> yes, crooked and unruly, but he is damn proud of them. Because, yeah. like, there were a lot of scenes where, like, he would get really start, like, pouring it on, and, like, you could see his molars. He's perfect in this. <laughs> and Ben Gazzara is a fucking hardcore pipe hitting motherfucker in this movie. That's not Ben Gazzara. Oh, John Cassavetes. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, Cassavetes is... Um, I, the, the, what struck me was the two completely divergent styles of acting. Yes. In, in scenes together, where Heston is just and like eating furniture as he's telling... You know, like he's oh. delivering his dialogue and eats half a desk. I, and thought stuff. And then was, like, I thought he was great. He was great, but he has his particular I did not style. think he was doing it as bad as he does in other things personally. But, but I mean, I get did get some of it, but also, it's fucking Charlton Heston. So. But he would go on like this, you know, sort of like page and a half long screed about something. And then they'd cut to Cassavetes and he'd say, we're on it. But it worked. Those two characters, because one yeah, is a beat cop, not a beat cop, a detective, but like a dude who's worked his way up through things. And the other is a military trained SWAT leader who's so buttoned up and so mechanical. It's literally like he's doing math in his head to calculate angles and mm-hmm. processes and timings. And it was fucking I thought it was a great contrast. But look, I did, too. I, that was not a criticism be- at all. Before, it was just interesting to see that contrast before we go too deep let's just talk about the cast so we have as we already mentioned charlton heston and john cassavetes and the i guess the ghost of ben Gazar. um but we also have <laughs> right. david jansen we have yes. um bo Gina bridges um, bo bridges have, at 15 we have walter pigeon we have yeah. um martin balsam i mean it is a f- jack klugman jack klugman who was my favorite thing in the movie <laughs> so fucking great 
So this movie, like we mentioned previously, this is a disaster movie. This is, Mm -hmm. let's introduce a thousand characters that all we find out, spoiler alert, are going to be victims at this shooting that's coming. In some regard. Yes. Mm-hmm. Or these families, uh, yes, and let's spend time getting to know them so that their their deaths later will That's have impact. Do. Well, also because that they don't really have a lot of character development for the sniper, so they but there's none. Bring, they pull a whole bunch of side characters in to have like these great little family yes moments, and they're great. Moments. Yeah, and it's all shorthand, getting you to up to speed on this thing. Bo Bridges, you know, we. How much time do you think we spend like with Bo Bridges and his family? Maybe ten minutes. And he was my favorite Maybe. part. Well, it was. He's sort of a dick though. When Robert Ginty is trying to sell him those hats. Yeah, where I, was, I <laughs> did you catch that? Yeah, of course was? I did. Yeah, I, like, I did. That's too. fucking Robert Ginty. Um, but Dylan was like, "No, I don't know if that's Robert Ginty." I said, "That's got to be." He's Ginty. the Gintiest. He's um, the Gintiest, exactly. So, like, I, I, we spent ten minutes with him. We know he's lost his job. We know he's dealing with a lot of stuff. I don't know how a motherfucker who lost his job can afford to go what's essentially the Super Bowl because I'm sure, even though it looked kind of low rent, it was probably still an expensive ticket. Yeah. Even then. Yeah. To take the whole family. Have we said it's football. No, I guess we big, haven't. It's a big football game. It's, a, it's basically LA. the Super Bowl. It's yeah. Or it's LA like the versus it's, Baltimore. It's like the finals of like one of the conferences or something. I don't think it's the Super Bowl, but it's. But it's a big game. Big giant. It's a game. big game, and you know, Sedaris. That's was, where he came from. Monday Night. He football, was the director football. of Monday Night Football. Right. Yeah. Well, and they have Frank Gifford. They have Howard. Howard Cosell. I'm, I'm glad that you guys said that previously because that I wanted to interrupt, but I didn't want to interrupt mm-hmm. earlier. But holy shit, that's Andy Sedaris, and I didn't realize that until you guys just said that. Oh, that's why. Like game changing, oh. and I'm like, oh my god, that's so He's cool. He's so good. He was in great in it. And it's like they really went and they hired the team. That did From, these things to yeah. to play those characters. This <laughs> movie that. was it felt real to me, like yeah. the that, sort of way it was carried out. I didn't love this movie as much as as the other one. What uh, didn't you like about it? I I just thought that the other one was a ten, and this one was like a six to me. Man, I thought this one was a. I thought the other one was a 10 i thought this one was a solid i i'm not kidding like a nine i really was blown away by this yeah. movie i was i really dug Maybe it this is good it was but it's for this film it's very this felt much more like a movie man it was, it was rough but it was rough and it was interesting because like I, I kept trying to figure out why they did no like uh made no effort to sort of indulge or like not indulge but like to sort of reveal anything about the uh the sniper i love that i did too but it took me a while to kind of wrap my head around what like what i think might have been the intent but this is so much the disaster movie model like the script structure yeah 100 percent it is it is 100 percent airport or earthquake or you know, or pick any a disaster number of things. Yeah. So the guy that was the sniper was essentially just like a natural disaster in this. Essentially, which kind it was of, like a th- if you look at the way America goes, it is exactly it is right. That. And at first, I was like a little like I wanted to know a little something about what was going on with the guy, but then as I kind of got swept into it, I was like, no, this is this makes sense. And I love this is the, like the, that it denied you that all the way to the end. It this kind of, puts you in the position of being one of the people in the stadium. 
it kind of was cool that at one point in the movie, I was like, wait a minute. Like, he's had a lot of kills, and, like, we still don't know this guy. Right. Or, like, anything about anything. him, or, like, well, his face, or... He, he kills somebody right at the beginning of the movie. There's a, the moment that you heard described in the opening clip. Uh, he's in a hotel in a Holiday Inn, and he just shoots a dude that's riding a bicycle. He's got the... He just shoots him, kills him. It's mm-hmm. so it- intense initially, but yes. then it's like a slow boil. Like, just in, just slow movie. intensity. And yeah. on, the shooting does not... And the, we get to watch an entire football game mm-hmm. waiting for the shooting to start. And I didn't think they were going to know he was up there until he started shooting. But they realize he's up there really early. And that was the twist I didn't expect. And they, they knew exactly where he was. And, and Yeah. And then it was all police procedural stuff trying to figure out how they're going right. to get into position. How can they avoid freaking the crowd out and causing a mass panic and people to get that's, trampled? Oh, that's that's like, the stuff that I really loved. It, it was very well done, but also like heart-wrenching because that... Heart-wrenching. You know, like that that one couple. Yes. And you know, like yes. they went back out to finish watching yes. the game when they weren't going to. After they had decided to get married. Ah, like. Yeah, Gina Rollins is great. So mm-hmm. sad. Also in this. The um, guy with the flask. But they're like they're the like, with the toupee. Hurry yeah, up, hey, go get you like them. another drink, <laughs> baby. But they're like, hurry up, go get them, and then they pull them out of the situation, yeah. and only a couple people really saw it, but. You know, it's kind of whatever because they're watching the game. Well, that sweet, that black dude that was the um, the, the utility guy. Oh, that shit I love was that guy, that actor. Fuck, when that happened. He is so, he's so, so good. Sad. He's good in everything. Everybody in this movie I thought was great. Yeah. And I was really, I think what impressed me about this movie, much like Targets, was that it did not do what I expected. It didn't do, as as much as the script structure was sort of boilerplate, the things it did the fact that the cops and the production team and the dude in the blimp and everybody knew there was a guy up there with a rifle a half an hour into the movie like and it's mm-hmm. two hours long but 90 plus thousand people in the stadiums mm-hmm. do not know what the fuck is going on right and then Bo bridges with his binoculars is like what is that up there yeah. was it a thing like they kind of just keeps keeping an eye on it and that you slowly see all the people the the pieces being put on the chessboard and arranged and plans fluid plans being made and arranged and stuff and like the president's coming there and they just say no go away he just goes away so it was a thing that was gonna happen but it doesn't happen and they well, you, you get they to see get the mayor and stuff out of there and you get to see the the team that's trying to sort of deal with the situation have to stop and readjust several times. Several times. Due to circumstances. It, it so, Talking about it, all I can think about is Hitchcock's example of shock and suspense. Mm-hmm. If you show two people at a table playing cards and a bomb goes off, it's shock. If you show two people at a table playing cards and then you show that there's a bomb under the table that has a five-minute timer on it, then you have five minutes of solid suspense. So what this thing did was like it gave you a half hour to 40 minutes of establishing everything. If that. And then you've got 90 minutes of. When is he going to start shooting? Nail-biting anxiety. Because there were so many moments where he's trained in on somebody and then he'll duck back. And where the, the SWAT snipers could see him just for a split second. Just for a second. But this guy is like motiveless. 
So it's just, he's shooting. He's we shooting. have no idea why he's doing it yeah, at all. Like, and that's the wildest part, too. Where yeah. You're like, he oh is, my God, why is he doing this? He is M.M. at Walsh from The Jerk. <laughs> yeah, he hates Cam. <laughs> you fucking <laughs> random goddamn sons of bitches. Um, I, you, we never see the killer's face, really, until the end of the film. Mm-hmm. And even then, we don't see it clearly. Um. He is a mysterious, like you said, force of nature. I loved that choice. I thought it was bold. Perched on top of the stadium scoreboard. Mm-hmm. The whole time. The whole time. Yeah, he the he gets there at the beginning. You see his process. He's ready. He knows there's these Dobermans up there, and he brings meat to placate the dogs so he can get past them and climb up the ladder. Knocks out the video. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Didn't count on Gold Goodyear. Well, it's so what? Well, I mean, and, and like when he's gonna go shoot at that at the helicopter at one point, and the and the SWAT guys are able to shoot him, but like those SWAT guys, he knows they're there, mm-hmm. and he starts fucking taking them out too. It is and he is a crack shot. It is terrifying. Now, y'all, the most terrifying part of this whole thing, and I think the where this movie succeeds more than maybe any I've ever seen is the panic. Yes. Once the shooting starts, people realize what's going on and they start. I mean, the fucking beaches and jaws, the panic wasn't at this level. Yeah, this That's was kind of palpable. Pandemonium. It was so intense. And people being knocked over railings and people trying to clamber down the sides of things and falling. Um, just the just that terror tramplings. I mean, it was. I, there was a thing where, like, you saw somebody's arm go into a thing and you heard, like, a bone breaking. And it was like, every bit of that's terrifying to it me. It was horrific. Yeah. Absolutely. Still, still, as as we were watching it, like earlier in the, just when it's this mass of people in the stadium. And just screaming. Dylan was like, this looks terrible. Like just the experience of that would yeah. be oh, intense. Like going in before. And being in, yeah. And being in that sort of pandemonium. And then when the panic started and everybody started running the sort of mass exodus that's exactly what he said this is like the worst thing i can imagine and i agree i mean it's just like oh i mean have you ever you've you have you ever gone to a football game down at in charlotte the pro um yeah i shot for the panthers for like six years okay so yeah oh that's right an intense experience being in that space there's a ton of people and i mean i i can't imagine everybody running out at the same time no just calmly exiting is intense in that Mm -hmm. place i mean honestly like i would probably find a place to hide like yeah in in an area that's what i thought like go to the restroom and hide unless you know um john cassavetes is in there beating the shit out of you Ooh, he will too that was fucking rough yeah um um, so there's He's a, so no nonsense. There was a thing that I thought was really cool. They, um, there was a thing where they said, uh, we have a SIG alert on the whatever highway. And I was like, a what? A SIG alert? And so I looked it up, and that is a significant um, change to traffic. Um, it's really going to get in the way. So a SIG hmm. alert means there's going to be a significant impact to traffic in this area. And it was because of the game. So they put out a SIG alert in that area. And I, I did, I'd never heard that term. Yeah, I haven't either. Um, I have a note here that says Bo Bridges is kind of a dick because of like, <laughs> dude, he was awesome and okay. Uh, yeah, but but he I, he, I he showed all sorts of sides. He he did like he was not showing his uh, 
best sides in the beginning mm -hmm. and and also like never treat people like that are like trying to like do anything for you like rudely right absolutely not um but you know he alerts the police to something that's occurring right and he's it's really amazing that he noticed this thing right and then he's like let me go back and get my family right. and that just made me so mad it made me so mad his family you know and it's like horrific like he's he's trying to protect people and mm -hmm. like alerting the staff to this thing but then they pull him in and that away was... from his family and he can't protect his family when those cops are when he goes you guys have anybody stationed above the the scoreboard and they're going why do you want to know yeah he goes well i think i saw somebody up there Sorry, do you mind coming this way? Ask you some questions. Mm -hmm. Well, no. Can you guys tell me what's going on? And they wouldn't. And all of a sudden, like when he first does it, there's two cops, and then it cuts back, and there's like six cops. Yeah. And they just fucking take him. They should have been like, you know what? Thank you so much for alerting us of this. Right. Hold on one second. We're gonna go get your family. Oh, we're gonna take you to this room. Or or we're 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 gonna look into it. Thanks for the tip. Yeah, exactly. Like go back. Like yeah, or just yeah, just release him. No but worries. yeah, we got a guy up there. We got a guy. Yeah, we got a bunch of guys up there. Mm -hmm. Man, that one, that one um, SWAT dude that gets shot and then his and body it's hanging is hanging upside down. Oh, and I will tell y'all those the fucking in targets the gunshots are largely just like a smear of red, mm -hmm. like fake blood. Yeah, this was fucked up shit. Yeah. This was yeah fucked up gun violence shit. Well, it's like. What ten years later or something? Yeah, you know, like it's there. Yeah, there's a lot of. Uh, but it also there. more money. I mean, they had yeah. money okay. to do that. So I mean, well, this is a studio flick, so they had. It's based on a know. novel. Did you see that, Mike? Yeah, it's like La Fontaine. Yeah, Jean La Fontaine. That's, that's, I thought that was cool that it was not just like a a, a script. Um, I loved all the stuff in the control room with the director mm -hmm. and the different sort of screens and like cut there, do that. Now give me a mat and I'll do this other thing. And and I loved that not all of the TVs were working, you know, like mm -hmm. it just like, it was like a fun element to it. And it, it was just such a, a beehive of just crazy noise and activity. The whole movie was like that. There was just, it was just rocketing forward. Like there was just this intensity to the whole thing. Like, cause this is a big event. So you've got all the like people getting everything ready for the event. The cops are getting traffic control. The you know the dudes are there getting the lights on and all that shit. And it was just like so much momentum to this thing. And meanwhile, there's this one insane person just waiting to start killing people for no reason. Yeah, I was really blown away by it. Can yeah, you guys imagine directing like ninety thousand extras? <laughs> no, <laughs> I I will say I. I did think about like just the scale of this movie and it, it is so overwhelming. Like just to do that. I mean, there were so many people really involved in this movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, my final notes are so intense panic exclamation point. Never seen anything like this. Um, because that whole ending bit was just absolutely like uh, nerve biting. It was, it was nerve like biting. completely nerve jangling kind of, just tense, 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 tense. When they're waiting outside that thing and they throw the smoke grenade in there, mm -hmm. and like you can't, it took because I had like, I don't, I don't know how spoilery to get, but there was a moment where I thought maybe the guy had taken care of the situation himself. Oh, right, he killed himself. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. 
Well, and I really thought they were going to give us something at the end. Tell us something about the killer. Right. And they just do not. But then y'all notice the little sting at the end. Well, we'll know more about him tomorrow. And we'll also know that the cops came in and they shouldn't have. And they did a thing they shouldn't have and should have done a thing sooner. And it was about how the world is going to, like, you know, a Monday morning quarterback this fucking shit Mm -hmm. and tell you where you did it all wrong. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. And I was like, yeah, that's probably true. I mean, and I think there are definitely cases like Uvalde where we can all agree the cops, Something the cops was horribly the fucking ball. Um, but, um, How about zip ties? Did you realize that they were using zip ties for really, handcuffs in 1976? Yeah, I, re- I didn't realize that at all. Yeah. I was impressed I did by not that. Either. All I could think about was Dennis Reynolds. Okay, from uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia. He needs his tools. The the hippie guy that was up in the lights that they yanked yeah. down and then beat the shit out of in the bathroom. Oh. Yeah. That shit was intense. Because uh, I almost said Ben Gazzara again. John Cassavetes goes up there in like civilian clothes and just pulls out a fucking Uzi. <laughs> yeah. Grabs that dude and says, just watch see- the game. It's a good game. Yeah, he was not that messing was around. He's, I mean, that dude was taking care of shit. The thing is, like, think about, the, like, when he got the call, he's, like, at a cookout, and he's holding mm-hmm. his baby son. Mm-hmm. He puts his fatigues on and comes and, like, foils an assassination plot and beats the shit out of a hippie. Gets, and Gets shot. Gets shot for his troubles. Yeah, it was so you it know was the, the, solidly a few good, intense. The, the A Few Good Men movie where... Um, Jack Nicholson has the line where he talks about you. We, there's Can't a wall, the and you need you need men like me on that wall mm-hmm. uh, yeah. because you can't handle the truth. That's what this was. This was you know the, you've heard the term copaganda where it's like propagandizing the police. Mm-hmm. So copaganda. This was this was in that sort of ballpark. But I I thought it was fucking great. But I think I think too we literally are like. This was so weird to watch these two movies right now. It was well. I, that's the one thing that made me maybe question whether or not these were good choices or not. Like the, reticent, but I moment. think that I think that the moment what again that's kind of what art informs reality. So seeing like two movies handle this kind of subject matter in the midst of what's happening in this country is like puts gives you some context. So next we'll watch uh, The Handmaid's Tale. Oh, Woof. and we'll uh, deal with other national. We'll issues. watch the uh, no. We'll watch the uh, Takashi Miike Masters of Horror episode. Oh, dude! Yikes! Yeah, what was that called? Uh, I don't know. No more thanks. I can't remember. Yeah, that's rough. Um, so wow, these were two interesting movies. Hmm. I. I firmly recommend both of these movies to anyone and everyone i think they're they're very different um tonally and also um message wise but i just think that they're just huge uh accomplishments um i i was completely impressed with both i uh, do not have a whole shitload of movies to run through so i'll just i'll tell you what i've been watching lately which is um some good stuff. Some stuff today. Let's see. Where's the last thing we talked about? Um, so Mike and I have uh, listened to the Phil Tippett 
appearance on WTF, Phil Tippett, oh. master stop-motion animator. Highly recommended. His new film, um, Mad God, which he worked on for 30 years, just premiered maybe two weeks ago on Shudder. Have you, have you watched it, Julie? Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Cool. It's, it is the one of the strangest things I've ever seen. An hour and a half of just like, what the fuck? Okay. Um, I watched a documentary um, about a spiritual advisor type person named Teal Swan. It was, I think, a four, oh, you did watch that a four-part documentary about her on Hulu called "The Deep End." That was pretty devastating. Um, watched Beavis and Butthead do the universe. What did you think? Oh, I didn't know you watched that yet. Really liked it. Yes. I laughed so fucking hard. There's a the thing, Mike. You remember when, like, there was a big controversy, and that one senator was like, "What's with this beaver and butthole?" Yes. <laughs> so in this movie, the of course they, I do. Uh, Beavis Butthead become astronauts and they're on their on the red carpet walking to the spaceship the space shuttle to take off and this interviewer goes uh Mr. Beaven Mr. Batoid that's how she refers to him and I thought that was really funny um I watched the little uh movie Crimes of the Future from Mr. David Cronenberg yeah and I guess by saying I watched it I sat in a room while a TV was on and it happened at in my face um not a big fan of of it um but my son was home for a week and so um friday night he was here and we watched the last two spider-man movies back to back which was really great i had actually never um completed spider-man no way home no excuse me spider-man far from home that was one i had started and did not like um so i just didn't finish it and um, we were going to watch the new Doctor Strange, which picks up right at the end of the most recent Spider-Man movie, which is Spider-Man No Way Home. So Parker had not seen either of the two previous Spider-Man movies. And he goes, well, I kind of feel like I want to watch those Spider-Man movies. And I was like, well, we can watch them. So we did. Nice. Um, and we just never watched Doctor Strange. We just watched those two Spider-Man movies. Did you reevaluate Far From Home? I did. It was really good. And the, the the villain is really good, and the whole conceit is really good, and it's so funny. And his friend Ned and uh, Zendaya as MJ are both just so funny and so. They're a cute friend unit. It's really great, and the dude Flash that's sort of like their foil is really great. And I just I just think they've really got a there's a alchemy going on there that like somebody really chose well. But the big one I want to talk about, and the one I will, I've talked to Mike about already, and I'll talk to you about Julie now. Um, on Netflix, there's an Indian film from this year called RRR, Three R's. And it's three hours long, and it is one of the best things I have ever seen. Oh. It is absolutely mind-bending in what it accomplishes and how effective and successful it is at every single thing the the dude that directed it has got a few other movies on there um and i'm desperate to watch them too i just haven't had time so that might actually be something i do tonight um i'm blown away by it the filmmaking the acting the music the lighting the special effects the action set pieces the story it is just all so good um, it's a essentially a historical drama about India's um, struggle for independence from the British. Okay. 
So it's a period movie. Um, and it's, it's entertained for three hours. It's well, what's really nice about it is it's it has a not a not a not an intermission really, but like a moment exactly halfway through okay. where a portion of the story sort of wraps and then another portion takes off. So it's okay. like you could watch it in two goes. Cool. And but I think if you watch the first half, you are going to do like I did and just huh. want to immediately watch okay. the second half. It's just that good. Anyway, it's a triumph. Um it's heavy, um, but it is also full of fantasy, and it's just a kitchen sink movie where it maybe shouldn't work, but it does. So, RRR from this year on Netflix, amazing, cool. highly recommended, and that's that's what I've watched. Besides uh, Obi Wan and The Boys, so oh, The Boys. Um, all right. Well, I watched a lot of comedies. Excellent. Um, Captain Run. Which oh wow I, man! I mean, it's been like, a long time. I grew up with this, but it's essentially That's a good movie. Snake Plissken that went like on an acid journey mm-hmm. and became a beach stoner, and it's amazing. You should watch yes. that with Beach Bum with Matthew McConaughey like back to back. That would be a good double feature. You know what? Thank you so much for saying that because that I have never seen that, and I keep on meaning to, and then I keep on forgetting about it. it so it would. It is. It is weird. Yeah. See, my initial instinct to be would be to pair Captain Ron with Summer Rental. Oh, with John Candy. I love yeah. that movie. Yeah. Just because of the era. Yeah, and they're Captain definitely more tonally similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Beach Bomb is serious and dark. <laughs> um. Oh, uh, Batman and Robin. I picked that up. Uh, there's a guy. Is on that Instagram. the one with the nipples? Yeah, yeah, so there's I like that. everywhere. Everybody job. has a nipple suit. Yeah. Like, you know, everybody talks about George Clooney's, but like when it comes down to it, like uh everybody has some sort of nipple. Even Arnold has like some like chest cover that like his nipples light mm-hmm. up or like, you know, the chest <laughs> lights up. But um yeah, Chris O'Donnell like brings these like teenage mutant ninja turtle vibes, like and oh, it's yeah. like, really funny and <laughs> Arnold has like a hockey team of bad guys, yep. and it's just so. Like, oh, I forgot about that. Over the top, comical. Um, Does that have the Joker like, or the Riddler too? Where it's um. Not no. Um, that's the other. One. That's the other one. Okay. Yeah. This one has Poison Ivy, right? This has Uma Thurman. Has Poison Ivy. Okay. Who's like a scientist nerd slash hot villain? Right. And uh, I you know I picked up like a tape from the thrift store, and my favorite thing about that is like. When you find something, you scope it out, and you're like, "At what point did they stop watching this movie? Were were they like, I oh, I got it, yeah? Or are they so you like, put it in you know, and like, where it's at? Yeah, yeah. always, yeah. always before yeah. I rewind it. Yeah, you have um, to check. Yeah, and it's like always like you know like you're gonna see boobs, or right? Like you know, or you're just like a point of no return where they're like, I don't want to watch it anymore. But right. it was definitely the Uma Thurman sexy dance move. Oh yeah, and I was like, okay, I remember that. <laughs> yeah. So, but uh, there's a guy on Instagram that collects them. And okay. I think he has over like 500, and I've sent him a couple batches of just, you know, uh, copies I found over yeah. the years. And, you know, finally I was like, man, I haven't seen this since it was in the theater. Yeah. Like, I should probably check it out again. I like it. It was hysterical. I like it. That is probably of that sort of era. I didn't like the one with um, Val Kilmer. With Val Kilmer as much. Okay. And mm. that's the one with. Uh, with Tommy Lee Jones as the Riddler. Yeah, okay. And Jim Carrey. And Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey is the Riddler, and he's Two-Faced. And he's Two-Faced, Tommy yeah. Lee Jones is Two-Faced. Okay. 
Yeah, yeah you're talking about the VHS thing. Like Dylan found True Lies at Ooh. the Goodwill, and I was like, check and see where they stopped it. Uh huh. You know where they stopped mm-hmm. it. Jamie, Jamie Lee Curtis, Curtis. dancing. Of course. Fuck yes. yes. <laughs> the, awesome. the um um Poison Ivy character in the Harley Quinn animated thing mm-hmm. that's on HBO is is a really great character because she's very sort of well she's she's um ironic and really has no time for men at all and um is is just a fucking badass but she starts dating this guy whose name is kite man who is just a doofus like bro and he's an idiot but he thinks she's really hot and it is their their relationship and how she finally just admits that she likes this fucking idiot it's all so well done. It's really just a great cartoon. I, I cannot recommend it. I've recommended it before, so you made me think of that by talking about Poison Ivy. Sorry. No, no, I love it. Um, oh, okay, I rewatched Hackers. Oh, wow. And it was funny because, mm. like, nerdily, like, you know, like, I'm, like, learning coding. Right. So and I you're like, like, wow, this movie's getting it all wrong. Well, it was like, I, I guess I was thinking, uh, is... Am I, is there anything that like, I'm going to be like, oh, I understand that a tiny bit better. Absolutely not. No. Like, you know, like. But also like, you probably realize that they're not doing it right also. Yeah. 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 Um, but, but something I did figure out that blew my mind was I was reading on IMDb mm-hmm. that Catherine Heigl was supposed to be the lead role in as uh, Angelina Jolie. Really? And I was like, really? That would have been terrible. Mm-hmm. Like, would have been very different. Not yeah, it would have been so different. But she had the part, she was offered it, but then she went on to Under Siege Two, which I thought she was good in. I enjoyed Under Siege yeah. Two. I didn't remember her being in that, honestly. Yeah, I, I thought she was good in that, but mm. that's the type of role like she would be better at. Not this like if, super punk, sexy like mm-hmm. biker chick. That's a if hacker. you want to watch a movie that teaches you how to hack, you got to watch Swordfish. Swordfish. Oh, uh, yeah. There's like an incredible scene where yeah. it's like hack this while getting a blowjob. Like, yeah. Shirtless. <laughs> yeah. Two hands, two keyboards, <laughs> yeah. eighteen monitors. He's like that guy, the guitar guy, the Michael Anthony Bateo dude who's got the right the double neck guitar right. and he plays them. <laughs> just ridiculous look nobody can love anybody as hard as i can rock you as hard as i can that's right um okay the last one these are all rewatches too i haven't watched anything new except for uh, what we've watched but uh did you watch beavis and butter no okay no i haven't seen it yet but i, I do want to watch it oh wait you know what i did go to the movie theater for father's day and i took my dad to see jurassic park how was it um not Man, great I heard. Yeah, like, I, I haven't enjoyed any in a long time. So, I mean, the first hour yeah. was kind of snoozeworthy. Yeah. And then the second hour and a half was Ugh, a little more entertaining. Two and a half hours? And, you know, maybe I'm being dramatic because if there were previews and all of the things, mm-hmm. but we, we did watch it in 3D, which I don't love 3D, but yeah, I, no. I did enjoy like what was going on and all of the things and... When there was action, it was good, but meh. Um, I I would, I mean, there were okay dinosaur deaths, okay human deaths. Um, always always fun to see those movies. I've seen uh, 
one, two, and three I saw in the theater with my dad. Mm-hmm. So oh, that's cool. That's why it was that like, exciting cool. for us to check that out. And I, I think we saw one of the newer ones. I think there's... Are there two out? I don't know. I mean, this the, is the third of the new series. The, I just looked it up, and it's two hours and 27 minutes. Okay, yeah. So you were Ooh. dead on it with so, the time. Cool. I wasn't being too, too dramatic. But yeah, that... I, I don't know if I recommend that one, but, uh, you know, I, I ate a lot of popcorn. It hurt my stomach. <laughs> really good. Yeah, every time I do that where I'm just like, fuck it, I'm getting popcorn and a big Coke, I never feel good, like, for days. I know, I'm like a giant child. Where yeah. like, I can't stop. No. But, like, it's so good. Oh, it's so good. You can't stop eating movie theater popcorn until there's just, like, those kernels until in the bottom kernels, that you, yeah. you try to bite them because they might be half pop yeah. <laughs> and then you just hurt your teeth and your stomach because your stomach mm-hmm. can't do anything with that rock you've just put in there that's right exactly. i put them in there to keep my gizzard working yeah, yeah that's how i digest <laughs> yeah. there's some gravel in my gizzard um la- last one uh fatal skies it's from 1990 and it's like David Pryor-esque. It's so fucking wow. cheesy. David A. Pryor? Yes, yes, thank you. Okay. Just... Um, but these kids are skydiving, and they land in this quarry that guys are dumping toxic waste. And the bad guys are like Mother's Day-level rednecks, but with like ridiculous southern accents. Like, it's, it's wild. But hmm. I do have like a deep love for this very ridiculous movie, because that when I found it, I um Wow. There was Never a preview for this movie called Shredder Orpheus that like is a movie about a bizarre television like underworld with the, like these great costumes and a skateboard from hell and I was on this like 20 year journey to find this movie and so every time I watch that preview I get really excited. <laughs> it's my story. The qu- the pull quote right. from this user review on IMDb is She's prettier than a mess of fried catfish. Yeah, they definitely say that. So, <laughs> Why, Mrs. Douglas, you're just as pretty as a big old bass of swimming up to the dam. It's so I, I do like bad. a mess of fried catfish. I was, I was watching it because I was like, you know, maybe I'll like pick it for my next episode. But then I was like, bring oh. it. I'll, I'll do Mike and Marty a favor. <laughs> bring, bring whatever you got, Julie. It's, we're, we can take it. <laughs> I made you watch ours. Child Murder, so you can make me watch anything you want. Boy, you did. All right. So, after House of Long Shadows, mm-hmm. since then I have watched Murphy's Law, nice. which was the uh, Charles Bronson flick. Yeah. Crazy Carrie Snodgrass performance. Uh, should pair that with sh- Murphy's Romance. They'll be very different. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kathleen Wilhoit from Roadhouse delivering some of the dumbest dialogue you've ever heard. Okay. She calls somebody a sperm bank at some point. <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, okay, then Southern Comfort, mm-hmm. Walter Hill, Whoa. fantastic. Mm-hmm. Totally All-time classic. Up. All-time classic. Black Sunday, the Mario Baba flick from 60 with Barbara Steele. Mm-hmm amazingly creepy black and white photography really cool. kind of beautiful yeah that one holds up uh hard target yeah yes the movie that contains the most uh apparently shotgun shells that are filled with sparklers because they're shooting at van damme shoot run like driving through the edge of the woods on a 
uh, motorcycle and like every time one of these shotgun shells hits like a tree or something it looks like a box of sparklers explodes it's the, just like spectacular yeah the reason why that movie is amazing is because it's one of those flicks where bullets hit and everything explodes and oh yeah to me nothing better than those kind of movies and what is like what is that? there's a name for that actually bullet. like that mullet <laughs> is amazing that is an impressive somewhat greasy mullet it really that he's is sporting Man, and they set Lance Hendrickson on fire accidentally, like real. That real. was awesome because he all it does I've never is seen this all what it does fuck? is piss him off. Never. He's like out there, and they're like <laughs> unloading on the unloading on the good guys, and like they inadvertently set the boss Lance Hendrickson on fire, mm-hmm. and it just pisses him off. Is all it really does. Yeah, he just takes his jacket off and swears at his at his henchman. It's awesome. Um, Sorority House Massacre. Wow. On Shudder. Man, is it bad. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not, not as bad as the second one, though, is it? That's Slumber Party Massacre you're That's thinking of. That's what I'm thinking. Slumber Party Massacre is a good movie. Part two is a turd. That's the one this with is, the dude with the drill on the guitar. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But that was the one that is maybe an, an a parody. Right? Yeah. That seems like a lame excuse for a shitty movie. Ooh. but <laughs> Hard Target's on Tubi. Watch it today. It's a yeah. You great should watch it. It's, it's, I'm thinking I'm gonna watch that Indian movie. I'm not honest. Honestly, um, I'm probably do that now that I've remembered it. From 2022, Duel, D-U-A-L, the one I watched a few weeks ago. And man, is it good and weird. And her, uh, Karen, Karen Gillan and Aaron Paul. Yeah, Karen Gillan is doing some of the strangest. character stuff yeah the whole thing has got a real vibe to it but it is solidly thoroughly entertaining and and fully unique also oh yeah completely and just out of but after it falls i loved false now i just really want to see the uh art of self-defense Yeah, the, with Eisenberg. Like people, there's a constant sort of cry that goes out where people kind of go, nothing, nobody's making anything original anymore. It's all superhero movies and it's all like remakes. It's like, no. It's out there. Good shit's out there, but you gotta fucking go and look for it or actually sit down and watch it because it is it is being made. After Duel, just because, watch Mad Max, it had been a few years. <laughs> the original. Yeah, the original. With Tokara. Mm-hmm. And, and the ghost. The ghost. That's not the ghost. We watched it on the big TV in 4K, though. And Ooh. man, it is, again, talking about targets, like yeah. how stupidly accomplished a first movie can oh, yeah. be. Jesus, Mad Max looks like a hardcore veteran you, of filmmaking. You have made one this. of the best filmmakers ever. 100%. Yeah. A prodigy. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> in every sense of the word. Um, and lastly, another Bronson canon film, Kinjate, the Forbidden <laughs> Subject. Mm. Or Forbidden Subjects, yes. What should and, have been uh, forgiven is that film, or uh, Forbidden is that film. Ooh, you should feel like you need to be forgiven after watching Oof, this. The Unforgiven. It is some skeevy stuff, yeah. but effective. It's good, though. Yeah, it's good. Bronson is, I mean, Bronson. 
Classic. He's like the reliable. Charles Heston of Charles Bronson's. I mean, come on. Exactly. Exactly. He's the John Saxon of mo- uh, movies with money. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Nobody's John Saxon, dude. Nobody's John Saxon. <laughs> Heather Langenkamp's dad. Did John Saxon make any movies with Michael Ironside? That would be a combination I'd like to see all the time. Forehead v. Forehead? Well, just those two <laughs> badass, like, actual, like, studly dudes, you know? Get those t- and get those guys and Powers Booth. There's a, that's a fucking tri- threesome. Do the Three Amigos <laughs> as a dark, fucking, violent Western. <laughs> that's right. With those three bring, dudes. Just kind of like, bring me the head of Steve Martin. I'm. De- I swear, it's a shame that so many of those dudes are all dead now. So, I think all of them. I are. think they might all be. I know Powers is, and I yeah. know that we just Saxon is. Saxon. Who? Who else did we say? I said Michael Ironside. I think he Michael might still Ironside. be around. I think no, he is. He around. did die because remember he's in the Wolf of Snow Hollow, and you, which you still haven't watched. Oh, I did watch that. Oh, you did. Okay. Yeah, and he was great in He's it. It was so amazing. cool to see him play like sort of just a guy. He's so good. He's so good. But that dude, so, Jim Cummings, man. Yeah, he's whatever he's you a, got, Jim. Just bring it. I'll watch it. Bring it. You, you, and uh, our Blue Ruin boy, uh, Solignier. Yeah, so many. I mean, we've just got. I mean, not that we're discovering them like under a rock or something, but we've we have found new filmmakers making new movies that mm-hmm. definitely are recommended. The 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 previously mentioned duel. The guy's name is Riley Stearns. Riley Stearns. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Just wow. Yeah, that's a dude to watch. Also, a hundred percent. So I guess my big my big push is Mad God. If you want to have your mind fucking cooked and smoked and blown at your I ass, do. Um, and then if you just need joy in your life and fucking triumph, R R R on Netflix. You gotta see it. It's it's a goddamn triumph. So um, it sounds good. It's unlike. It is so like, you know, like Mike. We've talked about when you watch like a very foreign film, like a thing that's like, okay, this was not made to cross over. This was a thing that was made for a culture that is not mine. Right. Like Japanese stuff in particular. Like we've talked about that because there's undercurrents that we don't get as Westerners. Yeah, but absolutely. It's just cultural shorthand there, but we're watching it going, this is so foreign. That is what this movie's like, but it is so welcoming and um, beautiful that it just, you just, you feel like you've submerged yourself in the thing. It's clearly made to sort of welcome others in and tell this story that's obviously very important culturally for them because it's their struggle for independence, but it, um, um, Ray Stevenson is the, like the bad guy in it. He's the governor uh, mm-hmm. who is the big rich British guy and he's chewing it up so hard and it's just the best. Glorious. It's just the best. Yeah. So anyway. Coven. All right, y'all. This was uh, this was a uh, uh, very uh, of the moment. This, this, this discussion we had, um, I think we've avoided uh, most of the political aspects of these, uh, this particular topic. <laughs> Maybe not entirely, but I, I think these movies um, deserve attention, and I'm glad we were able to, to see them. And to, to I enjoyed both. Oh, well, enjoyed. I appreciated both of them a great yeah, deal. It's, it's wild, like we always say. These movies are so similar that I cannot believe how different they are in yes. every way. That's the perfect Flickers combo. Yep. 
Yeah, and we found two more. So, um, so thanks everybody for listening. We would love to hear from you. Please tell us um, your thoughts on on these two movies, and if you've got any other sort of crazy disaster movie mass shooting flicks that you think we should watch that would show us how it's really done. Um, you can reach us at flickersfrom at yahoo.com or flickersfrom at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook. Talk to us on Instagram, Letterboxd, Slasher, and YouTube. YouTube, that's right. And you can also find us on Twitter, where we are at Cave Walls. So this was fun. Um, uh, I watched both movies like a couple of hours ago, so I'm all like <laughs> jazzed up here. Um, and uh, I think I'm going to go count my ammunition, y'all. Angeles, three, but tell you the truth, I prefer chess. Chess? Are you any good? Yeah, any good? I was a prodigy. No. Yeah, when I was a kid, seven years old, I played 20 adults simultaneously. No. How'd you do? I lost every game. <sighs> what the hell? I was only seven. <laughs> <laughs>